Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the official start of Spooky Season, because, damn it, Mike Flanagan is back, and the Phantoms of the Silver Screen is right there. I am one of your hosts, Rip, and as always, I'm joined by... Jumpy. I'm very excited to be back talking about a certain show by Mike Flanagan called... Fall of the House of Usher, unrelated to the phenomenal artist Usher. <laughs> it's seven o'clock. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we got... I'm so happy to see this yes. show. I can't believe we got another one. Yes, Mike Flanagan. Maybe his last Netflix show? Maybe. Maybe. For sure his last Netflix. Good riddance. <laughs> Even though all his shows there have been amazing. Um, he needs to be able to spread his wings. Yeah. Where's he going? Uh, Amazon Prime, I believe. Yeah, they don't have much getting going on, so like they'll let him <laughs> do whatever, whatever he wants. Yeah. Um. But yes, fall- they just bombed. I think didn't they with the with that Lord of the Rings show? Yeah, I mean, it's always gonna have its fans. Ooh. I, I didn't watch it. I love Lord of the Rings. I watched it. <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> Well, we'll see what they do, but I'm sure they'll give creative control. Like old school Netflix, back when Daredevil and all these shows were prime Netflix content, where Netflix like, go ahead, just, you know, make it good. And it made them money. But then, for whatever reason, they started not doing that. (laughs) Just closing the fist tighter and tighter. Yeah. Not much we can do about it. I feel like... Maybe the maybe the chairman of that board just wanna retire. <laughs> maybe they have like a like a United States Congress thing going on. They're all like eighty five years old and they're like, I don't know, I just wanna burn it all before I retire. I don't know. I feel like there was just probably maybe too many projects on the table that they said yes to and Yeah. Yeah, but like they keep saying yes to the wrong one. <laughs> I don't know, man. But House of Cards ran another season with some random actor or whatever they chose to do, mm. which I understand, but they could have just canceled that show <laughs> and gave us another Mike Flanagan property where <laughs> they could have canceled Tall Girl 5 or they could have canceled any any other show they make. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's true. Other than Stranger Things and nobody would have noticed. They were hitting bricks for a while and that, that sucks even more because I can't even tell you what bricks they hit. But there was a bit, a while where it's just like, oh, it's a Netflix exclusive. Ooh, I probably just yeah. <laughs> but there were also the streaming service, period, for like ten years. I don't know, ten years might be exaggerating, yeah. but at least like a five year head start. Oh yeah, yeah, they were. Ooh, who knows, man? But they killed Blockbuster. <laughs> That's this company. They killed a bug. You know what? Saying it like that makes me hate them. <laughs> Good riddance, Mike Flanagan. You leaving the murderous blockbuster killers Netflix. Speaking of murder. Yes. Good segue. Follow the House of Usher. Oh, my gosh. Episode one. The Midnight Dreary. This... I want to watch this so slowly. <laughs> now, we could... And tell me if you agree with this or not, Jumpy. 
but we could mm. just binge this whole thing and just just do a a review of the entire series of this, right? We could do that. But we could and just delete everything we're recording right now. <laughs> but I like just doing it one at a time. This slow burn it's going to be fun cuz we're going to come up with all these theory crafting. I loved doing that for Archive 81. I loved it for Midnight Mass and Midnight Club. Although I would love to binge this. I feel like the reason this is a good binge is because you need answers and he sets up really good mysteries yeah. to keep you coming back for more. So like whenever a show does that, obviously it's a great binge. Just keep getting your answers and being fulfilled one night at a time. But to stretch it out, to wait, okay? Some anticipation, people. That's where... It becomes like your favorite show. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of argument on whether to binge it or watch it one on one. I say one, one, one a week yeah. or one every couple, even even if it's just one a day. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it. We're going to theory craft. And when we get to episode three, we're going to be like, fuck, that theory didn't work. Or, ooh, that theory worked. Yeah. We'll see. Give yourself time to be wrong. Yeah. You know, like. They watch it. They're like, oh, this is going to happen. And then they see the answer. And they're like, that's what I thought all along. I'm never wrong. <laughs> but this this, this show just gave us a good first. Follow the house, the ushers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just gave us a first. Um, that This first episode was really just world building, right? We got introduced mm-hmm. to everybody. Follow the house of usher. We got introduced to the house of usher, um, which is actually... A family, a family tree, and it get- I don't know why I didn't think of that. I couldn't. I literally couldn't let go of the artist Usher <laughs> every time I read the title, so I couldn't think about it. But it makes a lot of sense. It's a family. It's the house of Usher. I, I don't know why I didn't put that together. Yeah, this is based on Edgar Allan Poe's short story or poem or whatever, based on the same name. We'll talk about that on the series wrap up, but because a lot of Poe imagery in it, yeah. then, a lot know. by a lot I mean. The one anyone, including myself, could recognize. <laughs> there's yeah, there's the Easter Raven. eggs to this Eliza, mm-hmm. one of the characters that's actually Edgar Allan Poe's mother. There's a character named Lenore in there from that, but that doesn't Quote mean the Raven. she's not from the Raven. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of shout outs. What if to... they did that with like other artists when they're playing home homage to like them? Like in like what I mean is like in cabinets, what if they're like, Oh hey, there's my son Cthulhu and like things like that. It's just like yeah, let's just give them the obvious names from the product. That's funny. <laughs> Lucky for us, uh, Edgar Allan Poles are have normal ass names. Like Eliza and Lenore. He could have named one of his kids Raven. And that would still work. He'd be like, Cool, you like Teen Titans. That's true. But yeah, um, but yeah, we get introduced to these. Then the main character we get is, well, two main characters. We're getting Roderick Usher. He is, an, I, I feel like, billionaire is like underselling him. He, uh, If he can, I don't think it's easy for him to give away. Obviously, you guys have seen the episode, so spoilers from here on out. (laughs) Um, If you're waiting for a non-spoilery review, we love it. Go watch it. 
and then come back. <laughs> but if he's willing to piss away $50,000 on this family dispute, I feel like he's bazillionaire rich. Just like... But then then again, $50 million seemed like a lot to everybody at the table, mm-hmm. which obviously to me, it's a lot of money, a life-changing amount. Mm-hmm. But to them, if he's a billionaire... Maybe fifty a billionaire who purchases four million dollar glasses of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm kind of torn if he's a billionaire or if he's like somebody who has a hundred million dollars. Nah, he he definitely is a he runs five hundred million dollars. He runs what Fortunato is, I think, is what it's called. Um, yeah, it's the the company company he runs we have our theories on that how he got into his hands on those millions billions but i think he had a good head start yeah um from from like his father who i believe is his father yeah that's our little theory there but yeah roger got sure and he's sitting down with august dupin who um who they have oh yeah 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 the lawyer he, um, I only really recognize him. I'm sure he's a great actor and been a bunch of stuff, but I only recognize him from, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. He played the first super soldier who was looked over or like glossed over before Steve Rogers. He was in Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And he's great casting for that guy. Yeah. Anyway. He should be in more stuff. Most of this episode was just Jumby and I pointing at the screen. It's like, I know that person. I know that person. That's the fun part <laughs> about Mike Flanagan. He keeps hiring the same people, and they're such good actors that it works. And that's that's what he. That's why I feel like this episode was paced the way it was, because it's like get out the I know that person out of your system and get introduced to this character that they're playing, hmm. and then we'll get on to the climax after. Because I would even call it a good, like, captivating, let me, ending. Like, oh, I got to see the next episode. It was just world building. You know, it it had its purpose. I think world building pulled me in. Like, I need to see the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take much for me in terms of mystery to make me want to see the next episode. But I want to know who the traitor is. I want to know how everyone get killed <laughs> i want to know why he's spilling the beans even though i have a very good idea and i want to know how he got rich yeah that those are all what's going on here? big questions for from roger gusher and he's sitting down with detective dupin and they're trying to figure this out i mean not trying to figure this out he's listening to his story and he's has it on record detective is dupin? it is it detective he's a he seems like a lawyer or something not yet because he was in court doing lawyer stuff. Detective August Dupin. He represents the U.S. government. Yeah, and he's a detective. That, that's why he has. Remember, uh, Roderick had to waive his right to an attorney. Yeah. So he did that. He put him on a uh, on record, and they're having a conversation that's being recorded. And a location yeah. that is, Roderick and his sister Madeline. They're the house they grew up in. Um, nice house. It's completely torn apart, trashed, rotting wood. But this is where they're having the conversation. 
and it's supposed to be significant because uh detective dupin <laughs> the it's detective you sure detective because he's a lawyer if I type in Detect Dupin and I get like, oh, he's death, <laughs> I'm going to be very mad. No, you're not going to get that. <laughs> I don't want to fucking Google anything involving this show. But like, I think I remember in the episode, he's like district attorney or something. Uh, and also like the they don't have policemen giving the o- opening arguments and like um, striking from the record and stuff like that. And when they get called to the desk, it's not like, let me call the police eyewitness and the other lawyer in charge to talk to. I think he's a lawyer. Yeah, Dupin is an amateur detective in three of Poe's stories, House of Usher. In Poe's stories, but in House of Usher, I think he's a he's an attorney. Carl Lumbly plays Detective C. August Dupin in no, Netflix. It just doesn't make sense. Netflix is House of Usher. I don't know what more do you want. You want me to call back Flanagan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he they're having this fucking conversation. <laughs> um and Roderick Usher is confessing to everything, every co- crime he's committed that he's being charged for and we probably can guess it's because this man is broken, but he doesn't sound broken. But he may have been broken because he just buried all six of his children that he had with five different mothers. But yeah. That guy got busy. And all of them were considered murder-suicides. And as Jumby pointed out before, um, a story was planted when when (laughs) Detective Dupin was in court representing the United States of America against... Uh, Roderick Usher, alleged detective, <laughs> in the house, um, in the against Fortunato, the company that makes pain medication, makes op- opioids, that's has a what body count of over five hundred thousand people or fifty thousand, essentially making a pain medication that they knew was addictive. And being addicted to him is harmful, but they didn't stop the production. They just kept it going, right? Mm-hmm. And the detective, and this was two weeks prior to this conversation with Roderick, and he just says there's a rat, there's an informant in the house of Usher, and they're provided a bunch of information however they cannot reveal who that person is for fear of their life that's when Roderick calls on all family all hands on deck family dinner and pretty much puts out a hit if you can scope out who that person is you get 50 million dollars no questions asked and that's it and then on the way to this dinner is when we get introduced to every character um we get I think the oldest is Frederick Usher, who's played by yeah. uh, Henry Thomas. Is this the dad from Hill House? Uh, yeah, that's definitely the dad from Hill House. And also the British guy slash, I think, uncle from the second Fly Manor. Hmm. Um, 
And he's the... And then he's also in Midnight Mass as the dad again. <laughs> I'm glad he's so diverse in all these character parts. Yeah. So we get Frederick Usher. We get, and he has a daughter named Lenore with another character that I can't, I can't remember. But that's one, one group. Then we got Kate Siegel. She's in this looking. Looking She's like, looking good. Looking like Mike Flanagan's wife, let me tell you. <laughs> Her name's Camille. And I don't know if she has two interns or those are her children. <laughs> but uh, she definitely seems like she's an, another entrepreneur herself. And she um, she's getting things done. But she definitely has two what looks like college students just taking orders from her. Um, we got the guy who played Sheriff Hassan's sexy ass playing <laughs> Napoleon Usher. Um, and he is apparently super famous. He's tattered up. He's like this guy that's so famous. Apparently, like they have this woman gave him a blowjob just so she could take a selfie with him. All while he's having a relationship behind the back of his uh, boyfriend. So, I just, I love how they're getting the flex. <laughs> they're acting muscles here. Yeah. This guy went from being the lovable caretaker with the heart of gold in Bly Manor. I don't think he was in the first one. No. In Hill House, but he went from lovable caretaker with the heart of gold. Then he played, you know, the father, the the father who's the only Muslim person on a small white people island, <laughs> and the sheriff <laughs> trying to raise his son in that society. That's a crazy reality show. <laughs> I know. And now he's in just the insanely rich Nepo baby. Yeah. Named Napoleon. Trying to like keep it that way. And we got um, Victorine. Oh, her her last name is not Usher, but she was. She's not married. Because uh, she's in a relationship with another woman named uh, Doctor Alessandra Ruiz, and they're one's a surgeon, and I think the other one, uh, Victorine, is. Uh, You're right. She has a different. Maybe she changed her last name because she like went into the medical field and she wanted to be respected, not like yeah. known for her name. But um, yeah. But that's the third child of Roderick. Um. So I'm guessing is Napoleon the second one? Probably. There's so many kids here. It's like the Brady Bunch of evil rich people. Mm, I don't know. But uh, then we got one of the youngest, which is. Prospero or Perry Usher. I love to see him. He's back from Midnight Club. Yes. Yes, he's back and he's playing an irresponsible he on Midnight Club. Yeah, Hamesh. And he's playing an irresponsible uh 
20 year old with the fortune of the house of usher i think like late 22 yeah because we just he went from playing less than 18 to he's late 20s i mm-hmm. guess he could pull it off he just it's some range he's got there <laughs> yeah and we got all these characters right and this is the the, the usher family only thing is that they're all dead right? except lenore except it's a family of ghosts <laughs> except the the attorney who's played by mark hamill uh mm-hmm. madeline the sister of roderick and um i feel like we're missing oh and um <laughs> roderick's latest wife who's played by the person who played anya in midnight club so that i'm glad to see her living her best life yeah this is pretty funny. All her competition's gone. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah. So that's what's going on in the house. And now we have one of them is a rat and an informant, or, you know, do you think there's an informant? Do you think one of them, just no. Um, I mean, I am very. It can go any way, any which way at this point. I don't think this first episode is designed in a way where you can easily be like, here's the answer to this big mystery Mm -hmm. and you missed this clue and you didn't get it. I don't think there's any way to really know. Yeah. We could just guess. But I think that because of the way that courtroom scene went down and having it struck from the record, this was a clever, you know, legal jargon thing that Augustine... (laughs) Dupin, the lawyer, pulled off. Uh, yeah, he did have a smirk on his face when it got striked on the record because he knew he just pushed that district attorney, mm-hmm. pushed that per- first piece of the domino, right? Because this was gonna have a domino effect and affect everybody in that family, and make them all paranoid. Um, I don't know what his aim- end game of that was, but when we come back to present day, he apologized for that because. He didn't realize that that was going to have that much of a domino effect where all the kids ended up dead. Well, he was, I don't know, did he apologize? Because he was saying, like, are you trying to blame me for this? Because that's not, like, fair. At the, like, I didn't do that shit. And the guy was quick to be like, no, no, I don't. It's my fault. At the end, he was like, he's like, I apologize. I said, I was, I'm sorry for. I think he said he's sorry, like, for it happened. I didn't read that as a, I feel like it's my fault kind of thing. I still feel like he has some guilt for that because he did start it. I just didn't think he was going to, I expected it to go out that way. But I I got the opposite where it's just like, he doesn't feel responsible. And even if he did, like he thinks these are the scum of the earth. Yeah. So I don't see him caring that much about it, but I don't, I don't feel like that scene read of him not feeling responsible and him trying to shut him down before he realized what he was saying yeah okay is he blames himself i mean we'll see um but roderick did take the blame for all of that and he even he's like telling him these stories because that uh he's like i'm taking the blame but it's not because i did anything to him let me tell you what's been going on since i was a child and this is the beginning of the secrets of the House of Usher and how all of this culminated into the end point, which was 
my kids are dead and I had to bury all six of them. Three last week. Everyone I love is dead. Isn't that right, Juno? <laughs> Anya's character's there, but he's still just like, everyone's dead. <laughs> now, there's a lot of... There's, this whole thing sets up a lot of things, not just who the informant is. Why are they in the house in the first place? This is um, in his childhood home. They could have had this... Con- oh, he's being haunted. Yeah, but I feel like he's... I feel like he's been haunted since he was a child after his mother passed away. So his mother passed away, him and Madeline, um, took care of their mother. She refused medication or anything like that because I think she was like, the reasons. like what, it's God's will? God will. Yeah, it. they're painting a very specific picture of a religious person who doesn't believe in medicine, but it's like... <laughs> I don't know how many of those people exist and if they do exist, which I know they do, but like not in large numbers for obvious reasons. <laughs> but, but this was back in what? The fifties. Yeah. Sixties, fifties. So he, so the mother passed away and then they buried her in the backyard because they didn't want to call yeah. a doctor. They, they, they knew this would be her, her final wish. Don't call a doctor. Don't do anything. Just, so they put her in a bag and they built a coffin and they dug her six feet under. And one stormy night. They... Six feet. More like two feet. <laughs> They're like, job done. <laughs> uh, one night, one stormy night, uh, Roderick wakes up, looks outside the window, and he sees that the gravesite has been dug open, desecrated. And the, the makeshift coffin that they created has been broken out of they run to it and they see a trail of uh footsteps muddy footsteps going into and handprints going into the house and it's fucking thundering and it's you know like this is still a horror property guys um (laughs) and the lightning shows that the mother's behind them roderick he she chokes him he says he's sorry she lets go and she walks to your boy's house the man that they're never allowed to see um which is the man she worked for played by uh joe from midnight mass Hmm. and he walks outside because the the lights out of the neighborhood and he's just like you know kind of a rich i don't give a shit about anyone um children are like meat you got to beat them to tenderize them. <laughs> That's his philosophy. The guy who played Joe? Yeah, that was one of the things he said. They're like beef tenderloins. Yeah. You got to beat them. <laughs> you know how he sounds. Nobody could do his yeah. voice, but he has a really good, raspy old voice. Yeah. So, And it was weird to see him in a hateable role. I guess that's what he wanted. <laughs> I didn't... I mean, I guess you could hate Joe as well. No. Nah. But there's a lot of pain there. Yeah. I mean... And he was great in Midnight Club as a janitor. Regret, yeah, he was. So, the janitor who was ultimately <laughs> yes. going to be the angel of death. Because mm-hmm. that was part of that. We didn't really talk about that much um, whenever we bring it up. But that was where that character was going. Yeah. Because like nobody ever really saw the janitor except for the main character. Yeah. 
which was like would have been ah oh, man that would have been amazing him playing the <sighs> angel oh, i mean he, i guess he did but like it was never revealed yeah can i get the animated series the guy's <laughs> still young enough they're all still young enough they could they could finish it. netflix will never allow that to be made again man. netflix will burn i will burn it to the ground this is where like i wish multiverses were real and like there's a multiverse where that season second season got made and then i could just get that movie yeah. and then come back here yeah, that'd be fucking good. but then rethink it and go back because the healthcare is better on the other side you don't know that <laughs> it could be just a universe as it's copy paste but midnight club season two i still want to live there <laughs> so um yeah uh so steal my own credit card information the the mother usher came in and choked this man out killed him and that's all we know they the doctors built it as a heart attack and the um, it was swept under the rug and usher made sure that uh, roderick made sure that nothing bad ha- like like nothing got out about that day however and here's here's a here's a question mm-hmm. um it can be triggering so like you know you want to talk about something very sensitive but i think that these kids are her and the guy this guy this joe mm-hmm. what's his name in the show uh, don't ask i'm afraid to google anything here <laughs> <laughs> well his name was once joe but now he's rich man mcgee who lives next door mm-hmm. Um, I think it's their kids, yeah. but do you think they had a fling or do you think like uh, it was unintentional on her part? Not unintentional, like unwanted. Is, Did he like abuse her? His name is Longfellow. Ugh, gross. Okay. Longfellow. Do you think they had like a fling or do you think he was, it was like a product of sexual abuse? Um, Given her character, because it's like. She's very religious. It doesn't feel like she would have a fling like that. Like, I, I that's hard to say because yeah. like I I don't want it to be that, but like I'm kind of getting that's what happened based off his terrible like demeanor and stuff and how. But I could also and her views and stuff. I could also see see him like um, flirting with her and tricking her into doing it using his. It's definitely an abuse of power that he got away with, but I don't know if it's by physical force or through. Um, I mean, either way, it's like yeah, or abuse. Like, but, yeah, but like or uh, just, putting a lean where it's like, like I'll fire you if you don't. Like that's still. Or it could be like him ch- charming her and trying to tell her that she's gonna have a life, and then she becomes like this devout religious person afterward. I don't know. But yeah, but the mother's name is Eliza. I forgot to say it. Um, but yeah, so we don't know where that story leads. And for doctors to declare it a heart attack and for his wife to just scream. Well, no, because that's when his mother officially died on record. Yeah, I think Yeah, the wife did see the choking and everything. The reason that it was hushed up was um, hush money, like Usher hush money. Maybe. But like... Hush Usher. The the kicker is, in the story, um, 
Roger Gusher asked Detective Dupin if uh, he wants yes. to part-time lawyer meet his mother, who's right behind him. And he says no because he knows that's a tactic that high-powered businessmen like to use to try to trick him into like doing like having some kind of control. But we see as he's talking to him, a figure turn around and walk away. Now, also in this, I was so excited. Hold on, <laughs> we actually got something in the background. Yes, for once since Hill House, <laughs> they—I mean, they've done it a little bit here and there, but they put something in the background to look at. And I saw it, and I was like, "Rip, it's right there." <laughs> and he's like, "No, I don't see it. It's dark on my screen." And say no. And then she moved. <laughs> yeah, he did. And then I saw the move, but. Another thing. He said, no, there's nothing behind the detective. Another thing. Other than his big badge. <laughs> and I was like, that's a law degree. So, as I was mentioning earlier, or I was about to mention earlier, how much of what we see from his mother is actually the mother or just in his head? What's going on? Like, I think she was possessed. Yeah. I think the... I think Mike Flanagan's really good at setting something up and then pivoting. And I think what's going on here is way too obvious to the audience that I just don't think that's the real thing, or at least that that isn't the only thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the only thing happening here is that, you know, demons are a thing. His mother made a deal with the devil. He made a deal with the devil. And that's what we're going to see being played out because that's the obvious thing that you take away from this episode. Mm-hmm. There's something else to it. Yeah. I don't know what it is though. It has to do with the house. Something's up with that yeah. house. Um, mm-hmm. And something's up with this mother being the way she is. I don't think that was really her in there. Yeah. But regardless, he still sees her spirit or whatever. Uh, he also makes mention that his sister Madeline is downstairs in the basement if he would like to talk to her. Something about that is kind of trippy too because I don't think she's alive. She would tell him, she would allow him to confess everything. Something's up with that. I think she's dead for sure. So yeah. She's her ghost is down there or her body. Yeah, I think everybody but Lenore is dead. And he's going to die too. And he's just saying his last thing. I think he knows it too. Yeah. His time's up. Like he said at the end of the episode. Yeah. It's time. Um, another crucial piece of information is that uh, Madeline and Roderick in their, in this 1979, December 31st, go into a bar. They're clearly running from something. They don't... Mm, they they dressed us up so fucking like I hated it. It's like, are you about they to got t- coke on their fingers? Are you about mm-hmm. to tell the story of that night in the eighties? Yes, I am gonna tell you what happened that night. Oh, there's a lot of mystery about what happened that night. And it's just like they did. They did do stuff like that. <laughs> Acted well, so it worked, but it's still very frustrating. Where it's just like, oh, and that was the same night that. Well, I don't have to remind you. I don't want to dig up dark business but you know like no i'm gonna tell you about that night oh i heard stories about give me a minute (laughs) but um the dragons are coming (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
So that was a great episode of South Park. It was. Um, Reference. Done. <laughs> so they go into a bar and they're meted by the mother from uh, Haunting of Hill House. And she is the bartender. She gives them both a whiskey. And clearly there's a story with Madeline and Roderick from the 1979 and she wants to hear it she's gonna pry but she's not gonna pry too deep let me soften them up here's two whiskeys on the house and then after that you can switch the beer madeline that's what her suggestion was but madeline tells roderick we're gonna drink we can't drink too much we're gonna talk but we're not gonna talk too much and if no nothing happens what do they do it cuts to black, and then in white letters it says, the gang talks too much and, and gets drunk. Because <laughs> they all did. I feel like that's that's the different angle. That's mm-hmm. going to be the thing that's different about this. Because we see this character, Verna, mm-hmm. um, the bartender, is, is the crux of everything. She's who we believe to be the devil incarnate. Mm-hmm. We believe to be the the person who they strike a deal with to get all his fame and fortune, but more than that, we've seen like random little flashes of her in different outfits, looking like she's in different time periods, mm-hmm. which would fit with the whole demonic deal maker thing. Mm-hmm. But also, when they're in the bar, they have like a little bit of a like flash forward that we don't really get to see much of. But she says, like, do you feel it? Like, it's New Year's Eve. Like, we're on the verge of changing everything. And we're stuck in a time bubble. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, maybe the other part of this, the the layer within a layer, is something to do with time. Yeah. And, like, time is a big thing. He's out of time. All this other stuff. We're hopping through time. I feel like that is going to be the deeper thing here. There's some kind of time dilation storyline in it mm. just like everything else out there these days there's there's <laughs> a time there's a time travel loophole thingy built into it um and if it is that i would love to see mike flanagan's take on that mm, that that would be interesting um maybe i mean i think they did take um person makes deal with the devil thing and maybe he just has his own spin on it make it take it to an extra layer like you said maybe that time thing does happen but it because it's easy to interpret when he when the episodes end when he sees that fucking joker inside this limo that creepy ass looking joker which is that was the coolest scare it was like they reached into my personal fears pulled out the ghastly grinner and put a mask on him it was so scary. And his nose starts bleeding. He looks up. There's a statue of a crow looking down on him. And he just keeps saying, it's time, it's time. Meaning it, he made a deal with the devil and it's time to pay up. I hope it... The only thing I'm hoping is when they reveal that he made a deal with the devil, she isn't like, yes, and you have exactly 34 years. And then <laughs> like he's surprised when shit goes down. Mm-hmm. I hate when that happens. Where like, they don't remember the timeline. <laughs> because if they do they should be like all right i'm gonna live 33 sick years and then end it (laughs) whatever like the last year was just like check out 
because you don't want to see the consequences happen. It may have been something stupid. Like this dude's like, she's like, oh, I can give you every piece of fortune you ever wanted. And he's like, if you give me that fortune, I'll give you the lives of all my children. I I hate that too. I don't want that (laughs) at all. I don't want that. This is why it's my fault because it literally is. Like, I don't (laughs) want to see that. Uh, And he's a better writer than that. No way. He's not going to do I mean, you could do. um, He he made a bargain with the devil and he never paid up. And now she's going after his children. And he, he, maybe he thinks like, okay, maybe one or two, maybe, you know, just a coincidence. But when he sees the, the, the corpses of uh, the six of his children lined up in the church and his vision, he's probably mm-hmm. like, okay, I fucked up and I'm, I'm going to die. Yeah, oh, and his granddaughter, Lenora keeps blowing up his phone. And he's not answering that call. What do you mean you're coming out of the will? What the hell? No, I think... I doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah I don't know. I think something happened. I think like everybody in that family's dead except her. And she's trying to call him to like get him to... Hang on to the last family member she has. But he's like, everything's left to you and there's probably some kind of deal he probably made another deal with her he's probably just like yo give me the end of the day keep my granddaughter alive and you can have me maybe part of the deal was like really was something stupid where it's like i'm gonna take you and your children's lives and he's like Haha, but they didn't say anything about grandkids <laughs> and he left everything to her so she could live a better life maybe but she seems like the innocent one you know yeah um but yeah it just did they could take this a million different ways. We uh, we don't know because this episode was world building. Not a lot of big scares, but it's coming. We saw one thing we didn't say much about was uh, Victorine's like heart transplant thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's gonna go anywhere? Yeah, that that's I think that's a big. I feel like that'll be a big part of what ultimately kills her. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be used for anything more than that. Oh, that's right. How do, does everybody die? That... Okay, so um, Rip didn't go back and pause for me. I didn't. But when I saw the scene in the church where they saw all the dead bodies, I noticed that uh, um, Prosper, right? That's his name in this. Prosper. Who? We'll do our best not to use old names. Uh, Prospero. Uh, Hamish is Prospero. Yeah, Prospero. He looked like he was burnt to a crisp, so I think he died in a fire somehow or an explosion, mm-hmm. maybe a car-related incident. Mm-hmm. Um, the Frederick, Frederick Usher, the first son or whatever, he had his belly slashed, so I think he was attacked by like an animal, a bear or something. Um, or something, I don't know what it was, some kind of horrible thing. The... Victorine, she seemed like she drowned or overdosed or something um, because her body was like pale, like a cadaver. Mm -hmm. Um, And then somebody else. I can't remember what the last one was. Uh, There's more. There's There's two more kids there, but like I knew I was able to peg down how somebody else died. 
Hmm? Napoleon. Oh, yeah. All I could think of with him is not Napoleon, but Leo Usher. Leo Usher. Is that Napoleon? Yeah. Yeah, he, he died with his shirt off. I think he just died while he was cheating or something. Okay. And the last one I couldn't figure out. I don't I don't know how um Kate Siegel. Mrs. Flanagan dies. Mrs. Flanagan? Oh, yeah, you know, Kate Siegel. Theo. What's her name? I'm thinking her name is Usher. I don't know. Yeah. Kate Siegel. Uh her, yeah, Kate Camille. Siegel. She dies somehow. Camille. She's not Mrs. Flanagan. Her name's Siegel. Whatever. <laughs> He took Jason Siegel's name. Um, but yeah. Jason Siegel's her father. No, just kidding. <laughs> now here's one. Do you think Roderick is alive? Roderick? Yeah, do you think he's alive and telling him the story? Yeah. I think he's alive and waiting to die. Okay. No way do I think he's dead. Um. Yeah, no way. Also, if if we're if I'm going with the time thing, what if these aren't? Now they got to be ghosts because people don't see them, hmm. unless he can see like rips in time that other people can't. I don't know. There's a lot of places this could go. I just know there's gonna be one big plot twist that isn't obvious in this first episode. Oh, of course. Hey man, sometimes what was it that we were watching where we were like, okay, this is a midnight mass. We're like, this is the. This is what's gonna happen in later on in the series, and they do it the next episode, and you're just like, "Oh fuck, all right." <laughs> well, no, because Midnight Mass was amazing because like the big twist was better than whatever we were thinking. Oh yeah, it fit better thematically. <laughs> oh man, follow the House of Usher. There's a lot that's going on. First episode, we're doing our best, but as we go on, I'm sure we'll get deeper in this. Try to figure out what's going on. I know for sure Juno's character is going to have a lot more to do in the upcoming episodes. Yeah. She was at the... Um, she was alive. She was at the mm-hmm. funeral. But she wasn't sitting next to Roderick. We're definitely going to at least see like how they came to fall for each other. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm just... Madeline, I was hoping, like, had children of her own that we could, like, hmm, what's going on? Like, this have this big family dynamic. It feels We don't really know. There's cousins. Uh, it feels very Knives Out, but, like, instead of the the main head of the household dying, he's the only one left. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it does feel like that because it is a rich, you know, family leeching off of the yeah. patriarch. The head of the household, they they mm-hmm. are good, and then like they're trying to figure out who, um, like you have to have your own business and figure out whatever venture, and we'll back you up. But you gotta tell me something good, because Prospero was like, I'm gonna have Prospero nightclub in Dubai, in New York, in L.A., and they're like, you're just gonna have a nightclub with your name on it. <laughs> you're gonna sully the good name of Usher, the people who sell. Um, painkillers like horrible Opioids. deadly pharmaceuticals you're gonna <laughs> sully our name with a nightclub Ugh. it's to the point where victorine um while she was performing surgery her girlfriend was like oh um your your father sent over powder to help us make our medical equipment and uh that's 
that powder is dangerous. That could kill somebody. Nightshade. Yeah, right? nightshade. Yeah. So, so yeah, man. This is this is interesting. Like, it was weird seeing a doctor be like, "Hey, this is used in voodoo witchcraft stuff." <laughs> like, theoretically, I'm not a pharmaceutical expert, but these people are. They could analyze it and be like, "All right." this does that this chemical that has this property to it yeah. this one's dangerous like they can isolate the the properties of nightshade right i mean i don't know well, i mean we'll see but it's pretty interesting well with all that being said any last words jumpy never more never more indeed and with that we conclude another episode of phantoms of silver screen podcasts if you like what you heard, please give us a like, subscribe, follow, anything to show us that you love us, because we love you too. And we can't wait to see where this ends up, how the House of Usher falls. Bye, everybody. See you.